Hey there, I'm Caitlin Daly, and you're listening to Listen Up, a podcast series that shows you how to get more out of the music you love. We're starting off today's episode in France. Imagine you're standing in front of one of Monet's water lily paintings in the Orangerie Museum. The canvas stretches from one end of the room to the other. You feast your eyes on the swirling blues and greens of the water, dabbed with bright pink and purple flowers. The mixture of colors is absolutely breathtaking. Now, try to describe the painting without mentioning any colors. How would you describe this magnificent piece of art without being able to use color names? How do you describe the indigo blue of the water if you can't say, well, indigo blue? Just like visual art, music is often described as having certain colors. But unlike visual arts, we don't have an agreed-upon vocabulary to describe them. In music, we call colors timbre, and timbre is created through the combination of instruments, voices, or both. Timbre is one of the more elusive and intangible elements of music to describe, but I'm feeling fearless, so let's jump in. Listen to this short flute melody. If we listen to it a few more times, we'd be able to tell what meter it's in or describe the contour of the melodic line. But what about the quality of the sound of the flute? What words would you use to describe it? Sweet? Smooth? Playful? The words that we use to describe music's timbre, sometimes called tone color, are almost exclusively everyday adjectives, not music-specific terms. First, let's get some science in here before we go all artsy-fartsy. There are a few scientific things that contribute to the timbre of an instrument or voice. The first is the vibration of the pitch and all of the other pitches that are being played with it. That's right, you're actually hearing more than one note when a piano player touches a key. Let's say that a piano player plays the note A. We call the note an A because that's the fundamental frequency. It's what our brain hears the most. But we're actually hearing other higher notes in there, like an E and an A that's an octave higher. Sometimes singers, like tube and throat singers, can make those higher notes, called the overtone series, sound just as loud as the fundamental note. In this clip, listen to the singer's voice you'll hear high pitches appear, almost as if out of thin air. The other scientific consideration with timbre is the instrument's sound envelope, or how the notes are attacked, sustained, decayed, and released. Instruments that produce similar sound envelopes and overtone series will sound alike. For example, the cello has long been called the instrument that is most like the human voice. If you think of your vocal cords as the cello's long strings, you can see why. Listen to this Nick Drake song, Cello Song, and hear how similar they are. Lend a hand
When dealing with a whole orchestra, a composer has to think about which instruments or sounds are playing and what kind of mood, feeling, or atmosphere they're attempting to create. This is called orchestration, and some composers are specifically known for their skills in this area. Maurice Ravel, a French composer, is one of these composers with mad orchestration skills. One of his most famous examples of orchestration is Pictures at an Exhibition. The piece was originally written for solo piano by Russian composer Modest Mazorsky and depicts different galleries and paintings of an art museum. Ravel orchestrated it for full orchestra decades later. By choosing instruments to take over the different lines of music, it's almost like colorizing a black and white photograph. For example, listen to this clip of the original piano version called The Old Castle. Now listen to the same excerpt after it was orchestrated by Ravel. Another great orchestrator was French composer Hector Berlioz. Listen to this excerpt from his composition called Symphonie Fantastique, where he's trying to paint a picture of demonic and scary witches. I can almost see those witches flying around on their broomsticks. Sometimes composers and artists use different techniques to make a specific sound. So instead of the musicians playing their instruments the normal way, they'll play it in a different way or hit it with something to change the sound envelope. For example, sometimes string players pluck their strings instead of using their bows. This is called pizzicato. Banjo players have their choice of strumming the instrument or plucking it too. Sometimes composers will ask string players to play collegno, or hitting the strings with the back of their bow for a more attacked sound.
woodwind and brass instrumentalist can do some cool things with scooping and sliding between notes to create different sound colors. The opening to Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue is a famous example of this. or trumpets using toilet plunger mutes in the same piece. One thing that both classical and pop artists have been experimenting with for a few decades now to create sound colors is technology. There are pieces written for orchestra and technology, like Mason Bates's Mothership, compositions that deal with recording the human voice and then re-recording it over and over until the voice becomes tones. In 1969, composer Alvin Lussier recorded himself on tape saying these words. I am recording the sound of my speaking voice and I'm going to play it back into the room again and again until the resonant frequencies of the room reinforce themselves so that any semblance of my speech with perhaps the exception of rhythm is destroyed. Then he played that tape into the room and recorded it with another tape recorder. He continued this process many, many, many times. The entire composition lasts about 45 minutes and by the end of the piece, you no longer hear any words but rather those natural, resonant frequencies that he first spoke about. Take a listen towards the end. Perhaps the biggest use of technology in recent years has been auto-tune. It basically acts as a filter that you can put on your voice. It can make someone sound like a mix between a human voice and a synthesizer. Let me demonstrate. This is me singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star without auto-tune. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, how I wonder what you are. And here it is with auto-tune. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, how I wonder what you are. Many artists have used this from Cher. To T. 
T-Pain. While Cher and T-Pain used autotune to change their timbres, autotune has sometimes been criticized for being responsible for the downfall of pop music because producers can use it as a way to correct a singer's pitch in a computer. In these cases, the autotune timbre is much less perceptible. But autotune isn't the only technology that has the ability to shape timbre. An earlier version of autotune, called a vocoder, can be heard on hip-hop tracks like Tupac's California Love. And autotune is often used with other production techniques, kind of like those different techniques that violinists use with their instruments, to create a specific sound world. Kanye West's album, 808s and Heartbreak, was written after his mother passed away and is known for being a purely autotuned album. According to West, he wanted to express emotions that he couldn't do through rapping alone. So he relied heavily on autotune throughout the album and passages that were sung. He's done this on other albums as well, such as 2010's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Listen to his song Runaway from this album. That wasn't a synthesizer or a guitar, that was Kanye's voice. It was a pretty impressive creative technique, and it was especially effective when he combined that layer with others, like the piano licks and repetitive string rhythms. Another emotional artist that creates an amazing sound world with autotune is Justin Vernon, better known as Bonnie Vare. His 2008 album, For Emma, Forever Ago, was written and recorded while holed up in a rural cabin for several months during a painful time in his life. According to Vernon, he'd been listening to some random music for inspiration beforehand, including the Vienna Boys Choir. To paint the emotional sound world that he wanted for the album, he uses autotune to heighten the tension in his voice. The autotune helped him create a high, glassy timbre, similar to the Boys Choir. In his song, Lump Sum, you can especially hear these effects at the beginning. come in later and talk about cold knots and heavy stones, possibly alluding to his heart. I think we can all relate to those lyrics, being in a painful place after a breakup, wanting some peace, and feeling all those emotions. Take a listen to the rest of the world he paints with his music and words.
Listen Up is hosted by me, Caitlin Daly. Our research assistant is Marissa Moore. Listen Up is produced by the New Haven Symphony Orchestra in partnership with the School of Communication, Media, and the Arts at Sacred Heart University. Spanish on the